Good afternoon, everybody. Today I'm here with Alex Demchek. Uh, Mr. Demchek, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good, man. Thanks for having me on your show. I've been I've been hearing good things, so I'm excited to uh, to be on here for a few minutes. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really, really looking forward to finally connect. I know, I know, you know, it's exam week for me, and you've been busy, so uh, <laughs> looking forward to it. So let's get into it. Um, so my question for you today is, if you could leave one piece of advice uh, for your daughter who is six months old. Uh, as she grows up, what would that piece of advice be? Oh, yeah, it's a good, good question right off the bat. I mean, right now I would tell her, uh, let your parents have some sleep because they're not getting very much <laughs> of it. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of different ways I can go with that question. But the first thing that comes to mind is that failure is necessary because I think um, especially, you know, people like yourself who are in college or high school, middle school, when you you try to you try to be perfect in everything you do, or maybe your coaches or your teachers try to tell you, "Hey, this is the way that you need to do things." And it's almost like now with social media, you know, you can see everyone else doing all these big things, and then sometimes when you compare your life to them, you think, "Well, man, do I can I really compare to that?" And so I think what you you can fall into is is this comparison of, "Man, do I really am, am I good enough?" And so I think if I would tell her any advice, um, you know, she's only six months, so I guess she wouldn't really comprehend it now, but maybe sometime in the future, it would just be that, hey, failure is, is part of having success in, in the long run. Like we're all, a lot of people, you know, even I remember being in college and just when you get your first job or you get your first internship out of, out of college, you think like all these professionals have their lives all together and they have everything figured out. But what you realize is that, those same people, they're just trying to figure it out too. They're just older and they have more life experience. And so I would just say, um, as far as advice, that it's okay to fail and, and you learn through failure. You know, failure doesn't have to define you. Failure can actually refine you and it can um, help you to grow as a, as a leader, as a person, as an individual. So I think, you know, learning how to fail successfully so you can bounce back and have success is probably what I would, I would tell her. Yeah, you, you talked about comparison and failure, and I can kind of plug in two of my favorite quotes. Uh, comparison is the thief of joy, and failure is the greatest teacher. And I think that's, that's really sums up kind of what you're talking about, and I think that's, that's really great. Yeah, I mean, I, I love how you said comparison is the thief of joy. I, I, I use that quote a lot as well because it's so true. And I think, and I kind of hit on it earlier, but just with the social media thing and the, the constant, like if you think about a hundred years ago, right? You wouldn't know what someone in a different state was doing unless you heard from a friend or, you know, you maybe read about it. I don't know, in the newspaper or whatever, however you'd get your news back then. But now, I mean, with social media, with um, all the ways that we're connected, uh, it's just crazy. Like we're able to compare our lives to anyone at any time. We have all the information we could ever want. And so that's a great thing for connecting with people like me and you are talking right now. We're connecting and we're using this tool, which is great, but it also can be a negative thing. And I think we have to be really intentional to not compare our lives to others in that way, because I, you know, I, I'm a person of faith and I do believe that we've, we've all been given gifts and talents uniquely that we, we, you know, we're called to use and to steward those gifts well. And I think is th the second you start looking to someone else and you say, why can't I have that? Or why haven't I been blessed with that ability? Or why don't I have this many social media followers? I think it can be pretty dangerous because instead of focusing on all the blessings you've been given, you constantly are looking at other people and saying, 
man, like, why do they get that? You know, um, I, easy example for me is I, you know, I played college football and, you know, I always wanted to play football. That's just what I've always done growing up. Sports was a big part of my life. And so, you know, even playing in college, I have a lot of buddies that are now in the NFL, right. And still in the NFL. And it could be very easily, easy for me to kind of think like, man, God, why didn't you create me to be good enough to play in the NFL? Um, but, but in doing that, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing not to focus on the blessings I've been given. Like you said earlier, my daughter, my family, all the other blessings, all the things that I have, instead of focusing on those, I'd be saying, why can't I be in the NFL? Why does my buddy get to be a quarterback in the NFL? And I can't, and you see, just hearing that kind of sounds off, you know, and it's, I don't think it's how we were created to live. And so I, I, I totally agree with that quote that you just said, comparison truly is the thief of joy. And you have to really be intentional to fight against that within this social social media culture we live in. Yeah, you you kind of brought up a fork in the roadway here of where I wanted to take it. But I have in, uh, from one of your show notes, you talk about uh, how you, you've created and cultivated some healthy social media habits. Um, what are some of those, you know, tips and tricks that you would suggest to any listener about cultivating a healthier social media feed? Yeah, and up front, I want to say that I do not believe social media is wrong or unhealthy. I think if used in the wrong context, it absolutely can be. And so for me, something that I've created in my own life, and a lot of people, it sounds like, have, have um, implemented in their lives as well, is a rule that I call the 15-5-5 rule. And what that is for me is I give myself 25 minutes a day to consume social media or news. So 15 minutes in the morning. So this morning, um, I opened up my email and I had, there's two apps that I use or two emails. One's called The Brew and one call, is called The Briefing. And what those are is email updates on the world news. So um, rather than opening up my social media and scrolling and wasting an hour of my day first thing in the morning, I simply, after I have my quiet time, you know, get, get in the word, have quiet time, have them do a devotional, I then look at the news, say, hey, what happened in the world? So I can quickly know exactly what's going on in the world. And then if I want to look at social media, I have a timer. I give myself, like I said, 15 minutes in the morning total, five minutes around lunch and five minutes before I go home from work at the end of the day. So for me, total, that's 25 minutes a day. I'm allowing myself to consume social media or news. Now, some of you, if you looked on your phones right now, you'd say, uh, I looked at my screen app and or whatever it's called, the timer, I'm way over 25 minutes, right? And that's totally fine because the average teenager uh, was spending around four to eight hours on their phone per day during COVID-19, the lockdown. So the studies are clear. We're all overusing our phones. Um, so that's just one practical way that I've done that because what I've found, and, and let me just explain the why behind it. It's not because I'm against being on social media. I love connecting with people on social media, but to me, there are some pitfalls with it. Number one, uh, social media, you're, you can just waste a lot of your time, you know, whether you're looking at positive content or you're looking at negative content or you're looking at destructive. There's all different types of things you can find on there. So number one, I think just from a time wasting perspective, that's why I've implemented this rule. When I think about people I look up to in life, you know, role models, uh, I've had the chance to work out with Tim Tebow. He was someone for me that I've always looked up to. Do I think that he spends four to eight hours on his phone every day? It's hard for me to believe that, you know, and if he does, you know, I, I just don't believe he does. He's a high impact leader who's making a difference. He has a nonprofit. He's doing all these things. If he spent four to eight hours a day scrolling on social media, 
I think it would be hard for him to have that impact. And so I look at people like that and say, if I want to be like them, then I need my habits to look like what they do as well. So number one, I think it's just a time waster. And then number two, the, cons- the comparison aspect, like you hit on earlier, if causing you to look at social media or read the news is going to bring up some emotions in you that's going to impact your day negatively, why do it, right? Why do it? I, you know, I don't, there's definitely times where I feel like, oh yeah, maybe I'm missing out, but it's so few. Like what I've found in implementing this 15-5-5 rule is that number one, I don't miss it. Um, you know, at the end of the day, there, there's actually some days since I've started doing this 15-5-5 rule that I don't check social media or news the entire day. And I think it used to not be like that, but since I started these rules, like it's almost like when you start eating healthy, the more you eat healthy, the less you crave these unhealthy foods, right? And so I think that's what's happened to me is I've, I've limited my social media news consumption and in doing so over time, it's like, I want it less. And so now I can say, I don't need that. I don't need that for gratification or to know what, I don't always need to know what's going on. You know, I can just live my life in the moment, in the present. And guess what? If I go experience a great uh, thing with my family, yeah, it's fine to put it on social media, but do I have to, or could I just have the great experience, you know, and, and enjoy that with my family. So that's, I would say the number one thing I've done to limit social media, because it can be a tool, but it also uh, can be something that's very negative as well. Yeah, I, you know, I get the impression uh, I'm wired a little like you and uh, you want to use your time effectively, impactfully and incredibly efficiently. And so with that being said, do you have any daily habits or routines that you've just really found that work for you and that you would recommend to others? Yeah, so for me, um, the, the biggest thing when I, when I look at my days and I have like the most efficient day where I feel the best, number one, it starts with quiet time, you know? So for me, what that look, and some of you are thinking, what's quiet time? For me, that means getting up early, a lot of times before the sun even rises and just doing just that, being quiet, whether I put in headphones and just listen to kind of uh, instrumental music where, you know, for me as a person of faith, that's time in prayer, going through a devotional, um, reading, uh, kind of looking at what I want to accomplish that day, what I want to accomplish that week, you know, and it, how does that line up with my yearly goals? Number one, getting up early. Um, I think just if you look at high performers in any industry, in any sport, a lot of times they're up very, very early in the morning. And so that's something that it is discipline. You know, there's days where it's like, oh, why am I doing this? But after you do it, you feel so much better. Number two for me is movement. So whatever that looks like for you, whether you're someone who is a huge workout fanatic or a college athlete like yourself or someone like me who's a washed up college athlete. I just think moving in general, um, create, at least for me, it kind of creates a uh, good mental synergy. It kind of gets my thoughts going. I start thinking more positively. I, not only that, I feel like I have some of my best business ideas or um, for my talks that I give, I feel like I get a lot of inspiration during that time, just moving. Um, yeah. And then I would say just for me personally, like eating right, knowing them taking care of my body in that way, I think is a huge one that just allows me to be on track. If I, if, if those things kind of get out of order and I'm not in communication with my wife and not on good terms, and if all those things are kind of out of order, then I, then my life kind of feels like it's a little bit out of whack. So, yeah, I, uh, I had the incredible opportunity to talk with Todd Durkin. Uh, he runs the impact podcast and great guy. And he talked about kind of his morning routine and 
he said, stimulate, don't annihilate and just do mm. something, you know, walking or yoga or, you know, something that's not going to kill your muscles. You're not, you know, not really wear and tear on your body, but something that's going to get your mind going, focusing, you know, and uh, I think that's something that everybody should try. I think it's incredibly impactful uh, as well. For sure. Absolutely. Um, and so uh, again, in your show notes, uh, you know, it, you talk about how to make certain decisions based on what you stand for. Um, and I kind of boil that down to identity a little bit. And so, you know, as a former college athlete, as somebody who grew up competing all these years, uh, how do you comment on somebody who's really found themselves with their identity uh, in their sport? Um, somebody whose, you know, mood goes up when they play well, or, you know, depletes when they struggle? Yeah, that's a great, very great, insightful question. I would say in I, your identity is kind of everything, right? It's who you are. It's who, how you define yourself, how you define success. And so when I think about, you know, even like you said in the college athletics terminology. So when I was an athlete, a big part of my identity, I think in a negative way was tied to my performance was tied to who I was as an athlete. And so then when you, when you graduate and you move on from that, or if let's say in my instance, maybe you don't get playing time or you go through a hard, you know, you have a bad practice, whatever your, if your, if your identity is tied to that, then man, you're going to be a wreck, you know, and similar, you know, with people that their identity is like how many social media followers I get. Well, if someone unfollows you, like that's going to be, that's going to crush you. Where for me, my focus, you know, as a person of faith is I just know my identity is rooted in more eternal things, not in the everyday um, mundane things or even just smaller things to me, like sports, uh, you know, sports are a big deal and you want to pursue those with excellence. But identity is such a big deal because when you, like you hit on earlier, when you define who you are and I think more importantly, what you stand for, what you, um, where you're headed in life not only are you able to overcome so many obstacles that, that head your way, but decision-making becomes easy. Like when you define who you are, what you stand for, it becomes very easy to make decisions. You know, I speak at high schools all the time, all across the country, and you know, I'll get DMs and then people will reach out and ask me questions. High schoolers will say, hey, you know, here's one, here, a recent one. Hey, um, my brother went to college and he became a huge alcoholic. He doesn't really talk to our family anymore. I'm going to college next year. How can I avoid that? And I'm like, man, well, first off, that's a great question that you're even acknowledging that and you're not just following, you know, that lead. So first off, thank you for even asking that. Second off, you need to make the decision well before you ever step, step on campus, what you want your life to be about. If you just step on campus and say, man, I hope I, I hope I can stay away from doing this stuff man, good luck. Because when you, as you know, in college, there's a lot of things thrown at you. There's a lot of opportunities that maybe you've never even experienced before that all of a sudden now are thrown in your face. You have to make decisions at, at you know, the snapping finger. And so what I tell a person like him is, man, if you can define in advance the type of person you want to become, then when you're on that college campus, and you've already made the decision, hey, I'm a person that I I don't, you know, I don't want to be an alcoholic, so I'm going to stay away from alcohol, or I'm a person that I want to work out on these days, whatever. You've just, you've made that decision. So when that opportunity or temptation or whatever that is for you comes your way, you've already made a decision. And so the decision is easy where you can then just turn it down and be like, oh, no, thanks, man. Sorry that, 
you know, I, I just don't drink or um, whatever you're fill in the blank for anyone listening, whatever, maybe it's not alcohol for you. Maybe it's something else fill in the blank because I think once you can define that, it changes everything. But so many people don't, they go throughout life and they never even consider what do I want my life to look like? They just kind of hope like, oh man, I hope someday I'll win million dollar lottery. Right. But they don't actually think, how can I produce actions in my life that will make an impact? You know, I, I heard a stat recently that 80% of America, 80% of people are just consumers. Only 20% are producers. And so are, when you look at your life, are you just a consumer? Like do you just it, every day, do you just going home, watching TV on social media all day? Again, not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying, if you want to be a producer, and you want to make a positive impact, I think you have to get pretty intentional about defining where am I headed? Um, what is the type of person and leader I want to become? And what are the things I need to avoid that will get me off track from my purpose? Yeah, that that was really good. Uh, definitely, definitely uh, needed to hear that and something I think everybody should hear and listen to. And um, you, you know, you talked about kind of what you stand for, you know, long-term goals, aligning yourself. Um, what are, you know, if you don't mind me asking, what are some of the long-term goals that you've kind of set for yourself that uh, you track and make sure you're still on pace with? Yeah, absolutely. So great question. One of the biggest things that I would say that really made an impact on me is I actually have a podcast called the athlete podcast. And I actually, I interviewed one of my mentors and his name was John Drage. And um, about a year and a half ago, he was diagnosed with, he went to the doctor, his, his, his head was hurting and he went to the doctor, very healthy guy. This guy's in triathlons, super, super fit. Um, and he get, ends up going to the doctors or they say, hey, when you come back in for a checkup, it turns out he's diagnosed with this very, very rare cancer, a glioblastoma. And they said, they told, they pretty much said, you need to get your family orders family in place you need to get everything set up at home you need to get your affairs in place because this is a very aggressive cancer and so I actually interviewed him about a month or two before he passed and you know someone that was a huge mentor in my life it's just so it was so sad um, the way it all had your family and all these things and and one of the things the questions I asked him I said I said John I said you know, um, you've lived a long life. You've made an impact on thousands of people. You know, he was a pastor, a speaker. He did all these amazing things. And he has this blog that people really love. And I said, at your funeral, what do you want people to say about you? And it was, it was a hard question to ask. You know, I just got a little emotional just thinking about it. Cause I mean, we were right there in the room together when I was asking it. And um, he said, you know what? And he was obviously a person of faith as a pastor. He said, Alex, he said the good thing is he says, I made this decision back when I was in college. And he, he passed away uh, when he was about in his 50s. So he said, I made this decision back when I was in college. He said, I knew that, he said, he wrote it down in college. At the end of my life, at my funeral, I want people to say, his name was John. Um, when, when people talk about him at his funeral, they want people to say, John loved God and he loved other people. And he loved me. And that's what he wanted people to say. And it was just incredible. It was really eye-opening to me that here he was in his 50s about to pass away. Like I said, I interviewed him about a month or two before he passed. And he's pointing back to when he was college and your, your age, he was pointing back to his college years saying, I defined back then what I want 
to stand for, what I want to, to live for. And I think, honestly, to your question, hearing him say that, that kind of became, uh, for me, what I want to at the end of my life. And so, I, obviously, as a person of faith. Um, and one thing I would say, if someone that's listening maybe is struggling to think about what are some practical goals, what are some next steps I need to take, one of the biggest things that I have found that is helpful is, is accountability and true accountability. I'm not talking about just, yeah, I'll try to do better next time. I'm talking about accountability, bringing someone else into the situation and getting help. So for example, I have a buddy, his name's Nick, every other week, sometimes once a week, it, it, for sure every other week, we get together and have a bonfire. And so at that bonfire, we catch up, we're, we're good buddies. But one of the things that we do is go over, hey, what are some areas of your life that you feel like you're struggling in? Um, or we share different things, we share struggles, we, we're very accountable um, in different areas and the areas of lives that we, we want to be accountable in. And so I would say the radical accountability like that, where, where I'm being totally honest with him, and he's being honest with me about where we're at. I mean, that that makes a difference. You know, that makes a huge difference as far as accountability. And so I think for me, um, it comes down to that just being vulnerable and saying, okay, what do I what do I want to accomplish? And I'm going to hold you, I'm going to allow you to speak into my life and hold me accountable to that specific thing. Yeah, I think, I think accountability goes a long way uh, in, in all walks of life, uh, whether it's athletics, academics, or just, just a friend that holds you accountable in all aspects. I think that's incredibly important. And uh, as you're talking about um, your mentor, uh, you, you talked about, you know, what legacy he wanted to leave and uh, it reminded me, I, I took a note from one of my friend's podcasts that I listened to and they gave a definition of a success that said, when those who know you the best love and respect you the most. And I think that is, I think that's just gold. Uh, I think that's, I think that's what everybody strives for. Um, incredible authenticity and just incredible relationships. Um, and how would you say that, you know, as you played quarterback at Missouri, how would you say that kind of impacted your life to where you are now? How did that instill in you a work ethic and cultivate, you know, where you wanted to head in life? Yeah, big time. I mean, as you know, as a college athlete, there's certain disciplines that are required of you that um, really develop some really good traits. Um, and I think, you know, I, in my opinion is that college athletes become, um, not just speaking about myself, obviously, but college athletes in general, high school athletes, just athlete minded people become some of the best employees, leaders, CEOs, whatever, uh, fill in the blank, because, you know, you could say the same thing about military, you know, you, you're, you're ingrained to show up on time to have integrity in the small things. I would say that's a big one for me is, you know, the expectation is that as a team, you know, you take football, you take basketball, as a team, you have to be willing to do all the little things right. You know, if, if there's one guy, I think that's a huge, to your, to your question, a huge thing I took from it was there would be 125 guys in the football team. But when you're doing wind sprints or you're doing some, yeah, let's just take sprint, you know, you're sprinting as a team. If one guy doesn't touch the line, everyone starts over. And so then you hear everyone kind of, oh, yeah, uh, right, and walk back to the line because you've done this over and over and over. But I think it just speaks to that, that piece of, hey, we need to have integrity in the small things. And I think that is a perfect translation to now what I do with my speaking uh, all across the country with just the different parts of my business. 
because if you neglect these little small areas um, in your life, they can turn into some bigger, bigger issues. And I think, you know, no one wakes up after 40, let's say when they're 50 years old and they don't just one day decide to get out of shape or um, not pursue their goals. It's like the daily rationalization. It's like, oh, today, I guess I'll skip the gym today. I'll, I'll do it tomorrow, right? And that just, that continues to, to build up in that way. And so I think to your question, athletics totally, totally, totally prepares you for overcoming adversity very quickly. Um, and understanding that, like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, failure is a part of what you're going to do in life. Absolutely. Um, but how are you going to respond to that failure? And are you going to own up to it? Are you going to, are you going to, you know, blame your coaches, blame your teammates, or are you going to say, no, like there's ways that I could have done better in a situation. And, and you'll see, you know, once you're done with your uh, college sports career, you know, whenever, whatever you go into next, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be something pretty cool. You seem like you have a very unique skill set. Um, you'll find that those same traits and those same things are, they totally translate into whatever you do next. And I think that's the biggest thing that I would encourage people your age or that are in athletics is you, you know, um, humble yourself, be a, be a servant leader on your team, on your organization, do the small things right. And it, you'll see how things start to pay off and how you earn respect from the people around you when you're willing to say, Hey, I'll do this hard thing. I'll do this thing that is not so fun in order to help everyone around me get better. Yeah, that kind of leads right into the next question I had for you. You know, what are some things you wish somebody had told you or you wish you knew at, you know, 17, 18 years old um, as you were graduating high school, as you were preparing for college? What are some of those things that you wish you had known back then? Yeah, that's a, a very a great question that I haven't really thought much about. Um, I would say um, have a better perspective on the long term view of things like, you know, you think about high school, you know, and you, there's high school drama or whatever. I mean, I look, I, I can't even think of maybe if I tried really hard, I could think of some high school drama that was back when I was in high school, but it's like so far removed that it's not even a thing. And so I think that's what's sad about, you know, you think you hear about bullying situations or you hear about all these people that are super depressed and their school don't have friends. And it's like, man, I wish someone, I wish, I guess, I wish you could just know, like, this isn't forever. And, you know, five years that go by, and you're not even going to remember this thing that you're all caught up about. And so I, I think I would just, you know, just remember that it's a it's you know, if, if your life is like in football, four quarters, right. You, you're just in the first quarter, not in the, in the fourth quarter, hopefully. And so I would just say that it's, you know, having a, a long-term perspective, not just a, Hey, how can I, be gratified right in this moment, but how can I have this delayed gratification mindset of, you know what, I'm going to put in the work now. I'm only, like you said with your question, I'm only 17 years old, so I'm not going to act like I know everything. I'm going to, I'm going to um, humbly go before people and try to learn as much as I can um, so that when 20 years later, I've learned all these skills that I can apply to my career. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Um, and so we've, we've talked about, you know, podcasts and different ones we've listened to, um, different ones that we both run. Um, but, you know, what books or other podcasts or, you know, TED Talks or things would you really recommend to anybody listening? 
Yeah, I actually, um, I guess there's there's two books that I've read just uh, this month that have been really solid. Number one is by Craig Groeschel. He's a speaker and um, it's, it's all about your mindset. Uh, it'll have to come to me on the on the title of the book, but you'll, you, you can probably put it, have you already read it? You know what I'm talking about? Winning the war in your mind, yeah. Winning the, winning the war in your mind. So you sounds like you've read it as well. I read that this month. And then also Soundtracks by John Acuff just came out. Um, and so both guys that I really respect. And I think both of those books completely play into what we're talking about here, you know, as far as, you know, all of your life, you're going to be hearing these soundtracks. You're going to be hearing these kind of these, these negative voices if you allow yourself to do that or you could make the decision to play these positive soundtracks in your life. And um, yeah, you don't have to listen to the negativity that's all around us at all times. You can be intentional by limiting social media, by clinging to quotes that uh, inspire you, things like that. And I think those are the types of books that I read, you know, that I really enjoy, you know, how can I learn from other leaders who have been there, have done that? How can I take things from their life and, you know, learn from those, you know, I, you know, the, the book you just referenced, Craig Rochelle, he talks about the different um, kind of, he, he literally writes down um, different affirmations about himself, you know, rather than listening to the negative thoughts, he, he says in his book that there's around, you listen to around 500 negative intrusive thoughts per day. Like that's how many thoughts on the average person listens to per day. And he's like, that's crazy. Like, how do you have success in your career when you listen to 500 negative thoughts? What if you could get rid of half of those or all of those? What if you could replace those lies with truth? And I think for me, those are two books just this month that have even been a huge impact for me. Like, how can I replace these negative soundtracks, turn them into positive truths in my life? Yeah, you know, it's interesting you talk about that kind of the self-talk. I read something the other day and it talked about um, 90% of true and lasting happiness comes from our perception, how we, how we view the environment around us. And only 10% is really reaction, how we respond. And I think, I think that's just crazy to think about um, how many times yeah. every day we let, you know, something little just drag us down the rest of the day when we can choose to respond in a, such a different light. I think it's just crazy to think about because, in the end, we, we do, we control our destiny, destiny, we control our mindset and uh, how we want to handle certain things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and if you think about during your, the course of your day, how many things you just react to, like you just reactionary toward those, maybe your emotion, maybe your, um, your actions are just reaction. And, but what if you could um, move instead of just being reactionary to being intentional, like, Hey, I'm going to be, in, I'm going to intentionally care about this person or this situation. I'm not just going to react out of my emotion. When I'm upset, I'm going to cool down. I'm going to be intentional about my response. And that goes to so many different parts of life as far as just being intentional. Yeah, definitely. So kind of going into one of my last few questions here, um, you know, you run your own podcast, um, and if you were in my seat, you know, conducting this podcast that I'm running uh, at 19 years old, what are some questions that you would be asking, you know, these world-class CEOs and teachers and coaches and preachers? Yeah, I mean, that's an incredible question. Um, yeah, I would say one of the questions that I try to ask people is, you know, at your funeral, what do you want people to say about you? That's one of my things. But I think 
ultimately too, I think what's really interesting is talking to people um, who have made a huge impact in the world is like, yeah, what drives you? And also how are you being intentional to focus on your mission and your vision? Because I think it is, it is so inspirational to watch these people who the Tim Tebow's of the world, the Craig Rochelle or other people that I look to in my life and say, wow, like they are, they're, they're crushing it. They're super intentional. They're doing all these different things. They're starting these businesses, companies, um, their pastors, whatever. It's like, man, how do you stay rooted and grounded um, to that mission? Because there's so many things that can get you off track in, the, in this day and age. And I think um, that is what excites me and gets me kind of fired up to listen to people about that. So I would say that would be a good question just to continue to ask, like you've already been doing. It's like, man, how can you focus, continue to focus on your mission and vision? Because because people don't always resonate, like your listeners maybe don't always resonate with people's successes, right? Like if I get off here and say like, I have $50 million, like most of us would be like, well, sorry, man, we can't really resonate with that because I know I don't have $50 million, but maybe what they could resonate with is like the struggles that I've been through, you know? And so I think you, you do struggle, you do kind of resonate with people's struggles in the way of like, wow. And so I think just being vulnerable. So like helping, you know, asking leaders, hey, like, you know, um, what makes you tick? Like, what are some of the challenges that you've been through to get where you're at today? Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned there, you know, what, what grounds you, what really roots you. And, uh, earlier you kind of mentioned, uh, your faith. Um, and I, you know, I was born and raised Catholic, uh, actively practicing and how has your faith, you know, really impacted you? How has, how has it grounded you yourself in difficult situations and difficult decisions in your life? Yeah, in, in huge ways, you know, I'd say my faith in Jesus is what grounds me what what, um, yeah, keeps me on track. And I would say for me, like that is, you know, following uh, Jesus is, is the best decision that I've ever made and all the other things that I've, I've had going on. But the biggest thing I would say is just to know kind of going back to the identity piece to know that, like, you know, each person listening was uniquely created uh, by the God of this universe. And I think that's pretty humbling to think about. Um, you know, wherever you're at as a listener, as far as your faith walk, but I would just say to understand that you know, you're not an accident, like you were, you're created intentionally. And I think when you realize that about yourself and understand like, wow, there's a God who loves me. I think it just changes the way that you live. Your decisions are different. The way that you give your money to people or whatever resources changes the way that you view challenges, um, the way that, um, yeah, the way that you really do life, the way that you love your wife, the way that you love your friends and everything kind of goes through that lens of like, man, like who am I to be judgmental when I know I'm, a, I'm messed up, you know, and, and, but God chooses to forgive me for, for what I've done. And so I think when you have that mindset, it's pretty, it radically shifts your mind. Your life's not perfect. You still mess up. There's still life, you know, sometimes gets harder when you become a Christian, but um, you're, you're grounded in knowing that your identity going back to what you talked about earlier, will never be taken away because it's an eternal thing that you have in relationship with, with Christ. And so, you know, nothing that comes your way on this earth can really, I mean, yeah, you can be emotional, you can be upset, but at the end of the day, you can just trust, even when it's hard to know that like, man, God's got my back. God, God will never leave me um, despite what else, whatever else is happening in life. Yeah. You know, it comes back to, you know, making decisions and your identity coming for what you stand for. Uh, kind of, yeah. you know, Jesus being your rock. Um, that's awesome. Um, yeah. So kind of my last question here for you um, 
if you owned a billboard, what is one quote you would put on it? <laughs> that is a great question. I've been on a lot of podcasts. That's probably one of the better questions I've received. Um, well, I, I remember my buddy, he was in some billboard business. And I remember asking him, like, how much is it? How much does it cost to put up a billboard? And he was like, yeah, it's about like three grand per month. I was like, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty high amount. Um, so if I was going to spend $3,000, and I was going to put up a billboard. Oh man, I would probably say, yeah, that's like a really tough question. Um, I would probably, can you give me like a topic? Should it be faith related? Should it be business related? What What are some of your other guests say to that? Um, you know, I've I've had a copious amount of varied answers, <laughs> uh, to say the least. Um, but whatever you think somebody driving down the highway should see really uh yeah you know anybody uh whatever your audience you know you think they should hear yeah yeah i would say i guess going with the identity piece is like um yeah i would say just maybe be yourself i think there's a lot of people um in our society and in our culture right now even on just social media and things that you have to try to act like you're someone that you're not and i think um as soon as you do that, you kind of, not only you compromise what you stand for, but you also, you're just trying to be like other people. And I think that's not really, I think it's good to have role models and people that you aspire to be like, but yeah, I think just, I would say, be yourself, like, um, you know, be who God created you to be. Don't try to be someone else. Cause I think when that's, when we get in trouble is when we try to be someone else in life and compare what we have. And, and, you know, maybe I'd even put on there, compare you know that's i'm going to change it i'd put comparison as the thief of joy like you said earlier i think that's a great quote because maybe people driving by would see that and they would say oh yeah i am comparing my life to others i need to i need to have some joy rather than uh i don't want to be robbed of this joy just come comparing my life so yeah i would say comparison is the thief of joy i just i don't know if anyone else has switched it like that on you but i just switched it so <laughs> yeah no that that's really good and um that's that's all I have for you. It's, it's been an incredible opportunity. So thank you so much for this. Uh, I'm really looking forward to getting this out there and hearing some feedback from others about your advice and everything in between. Yeah, man, Carter, thanks for having me. I think you're going to be doing some big things the next few years. So I'm excited to stay in touch and kind of see what you're, you're up to next. And yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super, super excited to, uh, to listen and check it out. And yeah, thanks for having me on your show.